The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to another, another Love Rugby League podcast. We are The Final Hooter. My name is Dave Parkinson and Adrian Jackson joins me. How are you doing, mate? Let's keep saying it's another Final Hooter. I know, well, I like letting people know that it's another Final Hooter. I can't just say it's a brand new final hooter then. Well, okay then. It's a brand new final hooter. That's better. <laughs> how, how are you anyway, mate? Not too bad. I'm all right. Couple of weeks since we last spoke. Plenty of things going on, isn't there? Never a dull moment in rugby league, is it? You get on that carousel wheel, it, keep, it just keeps spinning out stories, doesn't it? It certainly does. And we've got some of these to tell you about. Record breaker. If you're the tallest, the smallest, if you beat them all. If you're the fattest, the thinnest, if you always win. If you're the fastest, the slowest, if you really go, then you're a record breaker. A record maker. You're a record breaker. Yes, we've got record breakers to tell you about, haven't we, Aid? I used to love that show when I was a kid. Roy Castle. Roy Castle. Much missed, Roy Castle. Yeah, and I always, always, always wanted, and knowing they used to ask the, have the bit called Ask Morris. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know everything about the, the, whatever was in the Record Breakers book. I always wanted somebody to, to throw in a rugby league question. And did they ever do it? No, so we can do it now. Can't oh, we? excellent. See, so you can, you can live your 1970s uh, dream now, can't you, Ed? So can I ask the question first? Can I ask the question? Go on. Wanted to do? Go on, ask the question. I'm living a boyhood dream by doing this. What is the fastest try scored in the world of rugby league? The fastest try scored in rugby league happened in the recent game between Hull Kingston Rovers and Huddersfield Giants, and it was Ben Crook's seven seconds. Amazing start. Amazing. Can I ask another question? Go on. Who's made the most tackles in a game of rugby league? Most tackles in a game of rugby league? Oh, I tell you what, I think there was a couple of those records set last year. I know Morgan Smithies got about 72, didn't he, last year? But even that's been topped in the recent game involving Hull. Uh, Hull and Warrington, it was a 14-all draw. And Danny Houghton, 85 tackles in, what, 95 minutes. And can I just relive my boyhood dream one more time before we move on? Go on. Who, in the world of rugby league, down under, as a New Zealander, has made the most appearances? Well, I'm checking the uh, I'm checking the record books right now, and uh, Benji Marshall has recently celebrated his 332nd appearance in the NRL, which is the most of any New Zealander. Absolutely fantastic. Long live Benji. And uh, he's still got the class. I watched that game yesterday when we're recording this. Um, uh, but I watched the game yesterday that the, uh, they played against uh, Canberra Raiders. And he was still very good in that. He floated this pass out, which was like out of this world. Still worse. Benji Marshall still got it. Ben Crooks has still got it. And so has Mint. Still going strong, isn't he? And I've got to live a boyhood dream. Hang on, hang on. Why did you call him Mint? Danny That's his, nickname. That's his nickname. How long has he had that nickname? Oh, he's had it for years. They call him Mint. Why have I never heard it? I'm sure I've told you. I know you, you might have done, but, you know, my head's a shed these days, mate. I don't retain information in the same way. It's a good job that I had those written down in front of me. 
I can see your COVID lockdown haircut. So yeah, you're right with the with the fact your heads are shed. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm growing it out now. I'm growing it out. <laughs> my my haircut's a mess. That's why you can't see my face at this current moment. Uh, well, you know, it's a good job that we do this, and it's an audio podcast, folks. That's all I can okay. say. <laughs> Uh, so busy old show we've had the uh well the sky tv deal has been revealed hasn't it for 2022 and 23 um although it hasn't so they said that they're covering it they're covering 66 live games each season however there's no figures that have been announced but the rumor mill is saying that there's been a deduction of something like 25 30 percent on the money so um the previous deal was for 40 million pounds a season which was going to both the RFL and to Super League. And now it's 25 to £30 million. That's the rumoured amount which is going to be paid to Super League and they're having conversations with the RFL. So uh, that's a big deduction, that, isn't it? It's been rumoured for a while, hasn't it, that that was going to be the case. And it does explain uh, why Mr Eccleston maybe had to vacate his role because he's not fulfilled what he said he would have done two years ago, which would have been if you remember, Parky, get a, a bigger increase in TV money. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I know that we've had COVID and I know that's obviously, you know, affected things, but surely we should have been able to negotiate from a, a slight position of strength. After all, Rugby League was the filler sport, wasn't it, last year? So when there was nothing else happening, Rugby League was on the TV, albeit it was Australian at the time, but, you know, surely we deserved a bit more. You think we would have, but that's not been the case. And it's up to Ken Dade, you know, to try and negotiate more revenue funds elsewhere then. One thing that I did like from the announcement is the fact that they seem to have another another TV package, which they're talking about, you know, with getting more free-to-air games, even for later on this season. And also as well, uh, the possibility of, of further streaming. You know, we've all got used to, to sort of games being streamed, haven't we? And there was that big discussion about why Super League teams couldn't have their games bought in the same way that championship teams have had you know for the through the hour league app um and i know the hour league people were saying well that's for super league to sort out that isn't for us to sort out we've had our conversations with sky about the competitions that we cover um so that that's quite interesting that there is this definite um almost definite breakup now isn't there we've seen it evident yeah Exactly. Um, again, that all came about from two years ago. They had like a, a friendly split without the um, fighting that went on 20 odd years ago when they first set up Super League. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all, all interesting, all interesting times, aren't they? You know, I mean, where, where do you see the future possibly of, of you know, getting more exposure for Rugby League? Because arguably, everybody's got a, a mobile phone now. We can all do the streaming sort of stuff we've shown over the last year, haven't we? Yeah, that's going to be the way forward, doesn't it? It's all about opening up more avenues. And, and I totally agree, they need to get more games on the uh, terrestrial television channels free to air because that is where basically you do get your biggest audience and you're opening up to new markets by doing that. I mean, we've already seen the um, you know the success that, is it the European Rugby Union competitions have had through getting their games on on terrestrial television and then being able to sell the advertising as well so i wonder whether there's an aspect of that or do you think they'll possibly go down the bbc route you know because obviously the bbc doesn't show an awful lot of sport these days does it no i think they need to get more games with the bbc but hmm. i've been i've been saying for ages parky uh, rugby league since he just got into bed with bbc for years hasn't it? it's never really explored um, other tv channels so i don't know why as a game you don't approach 
Channel 5 or Channel 4 and yeah. ask them, would you like our game? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question, isn't it? You know, I mean, even if you've got to pay for the coverage, I mean, I know certainly, um, you know, over in France, when they've had the regional TV deals that they've signed, uh, the actual French Rugby League has had to pay something towards getting the games broadcast, which I know is a bit of an odd situation, isn't it? You know, paying for your own sport to be broadcast. But if that's what it takes, then, you know, to a certain extent, we need to explore those avenues as well, don't we? I mean, if you look at the viewing figures for streaming at the minute, I mean, they're going through the roof of the R League, aren't they? Mm, mm, very good, yeah. I mean, uh, I think um, they were saying that they had record-breaking numbers. I know certainly uh, they've had 183,000 subscribers to it, which is fantastic, you know. Um, and they've got further plans as well. So by the end of the year, they're wanting that to be somewhere up in the region of about 275,000. So, I mean, it has developed, hasn't it? You know, it's a, it's a far cry from when they first set it up and it was like one camera filming a game uh, and one commentator. We've now got, you know, an established pool of commentators that are going around doing games. And, you know, for, for me, I think it's been, it's certainly been a godsend for championship supporters, hasn't it? I mean, there's one game there on, on, on about streaming um, avenues, uh, the Sportsman website. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we recently showed the York Wigan game, didn't in the Challenge Cup. And I noticed it had over 65,000 uh, views. Uh, and to be fair, that's that's a similar sort of number that what you normally get on Sky matches. You know, yeah. so when, when they broadcast on, say, like a Friday night, uh, Sky are usually pretty happy if they get 65, 70, 80,000 people watching. Yeah, about that. So... It's encouraging signs. Hopefully, rugby league can build on that and, and get the message out there to more people. Mm, very much so. Very much so. I mean, I, I'm all for it. I, I want uh, you know the sport to be exploring these new opportunities. Whilst it's great having Sky there as the main partner, um, and certainly they've been there since the start of Super League, haven't they? They've been there a bit longer, to be honest, haven't they? Because I think was it about ninety two, ninety three when they started showing uh, the old Stones bit of Championship. Um, but I certainly would love for Rugby League to explore the, the opportunities that lie in front of it now, even if that means taking a step back initially, you know, and sort of weighing up what the market's like. Exactly. As a game over here, we've, we've, got, to, we've got to look at how, how Australia packaged Rugby League over there, and it's everywhere, isn't it, over there? Oh, it is, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's about, there's about two or three different channels which show it, you know, and then you look at the different levels of Rugby League as well. So at the moment, I don't know whether you get the same notifications I do on my Facebook every weekend, but we have like the Queensland Cup and the New South Wales Cup, which is also being broadcast on there. So, you know, literally, you don't have to sleep these days. You can just absorb wall-to-wall -wall Rugby League if you so wished. Just lock yourself in a room, get a pie, and have rugby league. Can't beat it. That sounds like what I've done, to be honest, mate. You've been you've been watching me, haven't you? You have some sausage rolls behind you. <laughs> yeah, and pizza boxes. Don't forget the pizzas. Always always useful to have a pizza or two. I just don't want pies and sausage rolls. You want pizzas as well, now. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, don't mention Papa John's. We don't want to get involved in all that again. You know, the freebie advertising deal which Super League had with them last year. Well, you've just done it, so I'll just cut it dead. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, mate. I'll get in trouble with the Super League bods. Don't you worry about it. Uh, so there has been two rounds of Super League since we last met up, hasn't there, mate? Yeah, Wigan, still unbeaten. Yeah, yeah. Interesting old game, that one last night as well, wasn't it? You know, very, very tough uh, against, against Hull. That was the latest one. Uh, and then in round three, 
Uh, they beat Leeds Rhinos, 19 points to six. I wasn't too impressed with that particular game, if I'm being truthful. That was a, a bit of a dour struggle. Um, but I was impressed when they uh, defeated Castleford 22-12. That was a good game to watch. Um, and Hardacre in the form of his career for me at the minute, playing particularly well at fullback. Uh, and nice to see Bevan French getting back on the field and doing what he does best. He scored two tries against Castleford and uh, really looked dangerous. Although, for me, him playing out on the wing, you need to try and find a way of getting him involved, don't you? Because he's such a, a dynamic runner. I imagine the ideal spot would be fullback, but you just mentioned Zach Hardacre is in the form of his life. So I'm not too sure Adrian Land's willing to move Zach Hardacre at the moment. Uh, so, other winners in round three were Castleford Tigers defeating Lee Centurions, 52 points to 16. Lee leaking points like a sieve at this moment in time. Catalan's Dragons, 42. Salford Red Devils, 6. We already name-checked Hull FC against Warrington. That was a 14-all draw. The first draw that we've had since they brought Golden Point extra time in. They couldn't separate them. Um, I was remember reading the match report of that, Adrian, and there was eight missed drop goal attempts. Just shows that rugby league players are rubbish at drop goals. I think they need to start a uh, drop goal training, don't they? He certainly I'm does. Murphy, out at the standard of it. <laughs> well, of course, Murphy himself was a drop goal king, wasn't he, back in the day? Um, and, and guys like Norman Turley as well. I think he did 97 drop goals in his career, which, you know, f- fantastic effort there from Big Norm. I grew up with the drop goal king of Keith Elwell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he was a he was a bit of a specialist as well, wasn't he, Keith Elwell? Keithy, yeah. Anyway, back to the action. Back to the action, yeah. Hull Kingston Rovers 25, Huddersfield Giants 24. Uh, then we've already mentioned Lee Dryden 06, Wigan Warriors 19, St. Helens 34, Wakefield Trinity 6. Interesting. The only interesting thing about that particular game, St. Helens and Wakefield, is it was nil-nil at half-time. So all the points scored in the second half. Yeah, this spot, that one, yeah. Saints, they're all looking like they are going to be the team to beat this year. And we mentioned Wigan unbeaten at the top of the table. There are a couple of clubs at the wrong end, yet to get a win. And surprisingly, Parky, Huddersfield are one of them clubs. Yeah, after round four, uh, played four, lost four. Also, the other teams, Wakefield and Lee, I suppose they weren't a surprise, but you're right with uh, with Huddersfield because, I mean, they've they've changed the roster and you'd think that's, on, in some cases, Ian Watson's actually upgraded some of the players there, hasn't he? You'd like to think he has done that, and um, but for some reason, it's just not ticking at um, Huddersfield, is it, at all? I do feel it's starting to get a little bit better for them. You know, I mean, they were pretty good against Lee in the Challenge Cup. That's their only win so far this season. We name-checked that in our last episode. Uh, but they, they ran St. Helens pretty close, didn't they, after being overrun in the first half? Um, I mean, in, in that one, I noticed it was uh, 12-0 to Saints at half-time. And the final score of Uddersfield Giants 10, St. Helens 18. Other wins in Super League Round 4 fell the way of Warrington Wolves' great away win at Catalans, 24 points to 8. Hull defeated Wakefield, 20 points to 14. Hull Kingston Rovers ran away with the game against Leeds Rhinos. A hat-trick there for Kane Lynette. A fantastic performance from him in particular. They won by 26 points to 6. Salford Red Devils had things all their own way, particularly in the last 20 minutes against Lee Centurions when they were able to up the score from 16 points to 8 out to 34 points to 8 and a good performance there from Kevin Brown in particular and uh, that was your roundup of Super League round 4 we'd already uh, earlier name checked Huddersfield Giants 10 St Helens 18 and Wigan Warriors 22 Castleford Tigers 12 like you mentioned St Helens out on top Wigan out on top 
Huddersfield, Wakefield and Lee holding up the rest. It's also probably at this point we could mention the uh, Women's Super League which got started. Wins in the opening round for Wigan, Castleford, St Helens and Leeds. Some real big points being scored in this first uh, round as well. Georgia Wilson for Wigan being uh, the main beneficiary. Five tries she got against Warrington. Kicked four goals as well. Kelsey Gentles returned from two years out from the sport to score a hat-trick for Castleford. And then at St Helens, they were lining up for hat-tricks. Carrie Roberts, Jodie Cunningham and Amy Hardcastle all scoring three tries each. And then uh, reigning woman of steel, Courtney Winfield-Hill, leading the way for Leeds as well. Two tries and ten goals. So I think it's definitely going to all be warming up there as well in that competition. Certainly sounds it. Away from the action, uh, news regarding the Castford job finally cleared up, and we see the return of Lee Radford. Didn't we speculate about whether Radford would be involved in the race for this particular job yeah i'm sure we did. i'm sure we mentioned it you know or if we didn't then we spoke about it privately didn't we um for, yeah. for me i think it's a good signing for castleford i'm glad to see him coming back into the sport to be honest because i always like i always liked him he, he he calls a spade a spade and i like guys that i like that and you know where you stand with them um and mm. he, he's even gone and explained as well that he wants to develop the Castleford style. So he's always been impressed at having to coach against it and find ways of, of trying to stop uh, the way that Castleford play. So he's now going to be able to put the boot on the other foot, isn't he? And, and really develop that attacking play. Because I suppose over the last few years, they've been blessed, haven't they, with Daryl Powell and the way that he sets up his team and the way that they, they move the ball. Because they, they, they do play some attractive rugby, don't they? They do, and that's one thing, or something Warrington fans will be hoping We'll stay, we'll see you on a regular basis at the Hollywood Jones. But yeah, um, Lee Radford had a bit of success at home. For me, though, with the money that they had at their disposal, should have done a lot better with it. You would have thought so. Yeah, you would have thought so. I think that's a fair, that's a fair shout, that Adrian, in all honesty. I mean, they won the Challenge Cup two years on the bounce, didn't they? Which is no mean feat. And I'm fair play to him for that. And that's the outstanding bits of his CV, isn't it, for Lee Radford? But uh, yeah, I always think Hull should just be a regular top four club and even challenging higher than just top four. I think they should be a regular top two club with the, as you say, what they've got at their disposal and, um, you know, the types of players and that they can attract. And the fact that they're based in a city, which is just... Just rugby league mad. Um, you know, okay, they've had a half decent football club for a number of years, but rugby league's king, isn't it, in Hull? Uh, yeah. and it just doesn't seem to have transitioned, if you like, to, to having a, a top Hull club. Hopefully that will will continue uh, to progress under the guideship of Brett Hodgson. I know that the Challenge Cup is at the quarterfinals uh, for, the, for the men's, but uh, we've also had the draw for the 1895 Cup semi-final, haven't we? So who's going to get to Wembley out of them? Oh, I, I tell you what, well, both of these games are scheduled for the weekend of 5th and 6th of June. The 1895 Cup has pitted York City Knights against Swinton, uh, which for me is a tall order for Swinton Lions if they're going to defeat uh, York City Knights. I saw York last week. Very, very impressed with them. Uh, and then the other semi-final pits Featherstone Rovers, who have also been playing particularly well over the last few weeks, up against Widnes, who seem to have been misfiring a bit in the championship of late. So, um, yeah, if you're going off current form, then you can't see beyond the York City Knights and Featherstone final there, but um, should still make a, an interesting couple of games, I think, mate. Yeah, without a doubt. It looks like it's going to be York and Featherstone, but you never know. Witness could improve. 
Oh, and even Swinton could improve the form between now and then, and, and uh, cause a bit of an upset. Yeah, definitely. That's the it is it is and we're talking about something that's six weeks time really aren't we so a lot of things can change in that period of time so yeah hopefully we do and we see some well two cracking semi-finals though um the challenge cup the men have took another step forward to the quarter-final stages who got who well yeah i mean the uh betfred challenge cup you mentioned it there in the uh the men's quarter-final draw Starts off on Friday 7th of May and it's Catalan's Dragons against Warrington Wolves and in the other game, St. Helens against Huddersfield Giants. Both of those games on Sky Sports. All of these games, by the way, played over at Headingley. So it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of days, I think, over there. And then Saturday the 8th of May, two games for you on the BBC. So look out for whether uh, when those are kicking off. Uh, it's Hull FC taking on Wigan Warriors and Castleford Tigers against Salford Red Devils. Both of those games, like I said, Saturday the 8th of May and both on the Beeb. Headley's pitch is going to be taking a bit of a pounding that weekend, isn't it? The, the, the pitch and staff are going to have to work us out. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially, uh, especially, they'll be getting all the rotivators out, won't they? And, you know, those, those ride-on mowers that they've got. I bet it's a lot of fun actually preparing a pitch. I mean, I've never tried it myself. <laughs> I don't know about you. No, I haven't myself. Oh, I've only ever done the back garden. Not really the same, is it really? <laughs> not really. Not really, no. And, and to be fair, where I live, it's all paved. So uh, <laughs> definitely not the same. You mentioned there about the men's quarterfinals. The women's quarterfinals have also been drawn as well. Uh, they're kicking off on Sunday, the 9th of May, and it sees Warrington against Castleford, St. Helens against Featherstone Rovers, York City Knights against Wigan, and Bradford Bulls taking on Leeds Rhinos. I tell you what, there's some interesting little ties there as well. Certainly is. So all to play for in the cup. And uh, like you said before then, though, we've got some league matches to take place. And uh, you mentioned the former Widness and Swinton um, in the championship. And if you look at that league division pair path, we for a cracking season because like to York and Toulouse have really ripped it up. And I've been impressed with Featherstone and Halifax as well. Well, you say York are ripping it up. They certainly did last weekend, but for me, they, they kind of struggled to get going. I mean, they were defeated by Toulouse, weren't they, on the opening weekend. Then they, uh, they, they struggled in the following game against... Um, you know, what was a, a well-drilled Sheffield Eagles who are proving to be, you know, a, a really competitive team at the top end of the championship this year. Um, but they certainly found the the sea legs against uh, against Swinton. They scored 11 tries in that one and won by 64 points to 16. So um, certainly if, they, if we see that York City Knights turn up, then they'll be top end championship without a doubt. I've been impressed with Featherstone. I know you checked in uh, with Halifax. Uh, Halifax have been scoring a lot of points. Unfortunately for them, they've also been conceding a lot but they've also been involved in two really interesting games over the last couple of weeks so they got pit by a point against Bradford 26-27 and then lost out by 10 points to Toulouse 44-34 but at one point in that game it was 34-0 to Toulouse so they did really well to fight their way back yeah, I've been impressed with some of the, the like I said the results haven't gone in their favour on two on a couple of games but been quite impressed with what Simon Simon um Griggs is doing over there, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it is starting to come together. I think he'll just be hoping for a little bit better defensively and, and not to give teams a start because I think that's been the the issue, um, you know, in the, the last couple of games in particular. Uh, but yeah, Featherstone out there undefeated, 
to lose undefeated. Um, interesting what's going to happen with them moving forward, though, isn't it? With uh, the situation of the coronavirus in France and all this travel. I know there's talk of us opening up and maybe going to Spain. Do they end up switching some of their home games to Spain? And people can get there? What if they even switch them to the UK? You know, I mean, I've I've heard the rumour that they're going to be moving one of the home games against Widnes to be played at Swinton at Sale. Okay. So that, that that's one to look out for. Not as picturesque as to lose, is it? But there you go. Nice enough place, though. It <laughs> it's got some cracking pubs as well in the middle of Sale. Are you speaking from experience? I am. I am, yes. Yes, uh, yeah. I've had a couple of nights out in Sale. Yeah, it's a nice, nice place to go. Let's drop down the division. League One not yet started yet, uh, but a bit of news in the build-up before the season starts. Uh, sees North Wales Crusaders on the move to Corwin Bay. Yeah, that's an interesting one, that, isn't it? Yeah, they've been playing out of Queensway, the athletics ground in Wrexham, for the last few years, haven't they? But apparently it's failed COVID regulations with regards to size of dressing rooms and, and sort of positioning and that type of stuff. So they've had to seek a, a move. But we were just chatting before we went to know, weren't we, Adrian? And this is like witness moving to Wrexham. So where they're moving to, they're going over to Colwyn Bay, uh, around the coast. Lovely place, by the way. Uh, and I think as well... Yeah, I think as well they've also um, uh, it's a, a new stadium that they're going to be using too. So there's some real chances there, but they're moving again. So it's like, are those people from Wrexham going to want to travel all the way to Colwyn Bay? Are they going to have to build a new uh, a new fan base? You know, what how is it going to be received? There's a couple of unknowns there, isn't there? It is, there is. It's basically, they're basically doing what, what the Broncos have done for 30 years, which is move around to different venues within the within the area of London. But like you say, when they're moving from in with London, and I, and I know this from uh, a family relative who watches the London Broncos, um, when they move to a ground from, from say, well, say they're at the Stoop and they moved out to Brentford, mm. it's not really just like going up the road, like it's, say, like Warrington moved from, from um, Wilderspool to the Halliwell Jones, or Saints moved a little bit down the down the road in Saint Anne's or Lanshaw Park. When London moved about, it's literally uh, 40, 50 minutes on the tube stations on a tube train to get there. So the Crusaders are doing exactly the same thing by moving to Colwyn Bay. Yeah, they certainly are. I mean, I'm intrigued to see how it goes because I, I believe it's a better deal that they've also been able to negotiate with. Um, you know the ground at Colwyn Bay so I, I'm certainly hoping that you know that's going to develop and it's going to be successful because uh, I, I like North Wales Crusaders I like what they've been doing there over a good number of years it's a, it's a good club uh, and Anthony Murray's been doing a fantastic job hasn't he in holding the ship together and building on that squad um, interesting to note that uh, Paddy Arvan has gone and signed for them for this this next season Bit of experience for them in that division. It should go okay um, for them, Paddy Arvan. Um, going back to the move to Colwyn Bay, a bit like London Broncos, they move around. You've just got to hope uh, the hardcore fans will move with them. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and that, like you say, that the, the the links are there, the transport links to be able to get. I mean, I don't know how, how 
easy or difficult it is to travel around in North Wales. We'd be uh, really appreciative to find out from any North Wales Crusaders fans out there. Um, let us know how you get to your ground and uh, would you then be following your club over there in Colwyn Bay? Uh, you can drop me a message at Dave Parkinson RL via Twitter and we'll mention it next time if we get some responses to that, mate. Looking ahead to the brand new season for League One, who's going to be the runners and riders to challenge for the promotion spot? I've got to say, I think it's going to be led by the Cumbrians. I've got a really good feeling about Workington Town in particular and what they've been building there. Uh, but you can't really look past Barrow Raiders, can you? They've been traditionally strong for the last couple of seasons at that level. Um, and then again, you've got Hunslet. I mean, up until when everything stopped last season, Hunslet were top of the tree, weren't they? So, um, you know, I think with, with the, the development of their squad as well, uh, the games between those three clubs in particular, I think, are going to be are going to be key. But then again, you've got Doncaster in there as well that nobody's talking about, and who you know they've got Watson Boas coming back over again, uh, who's a fantastic player, former Featherstone Rovers player and a Papua New Guinea international. So you know, with with Boas, the he'll definitely lead the charge for for, for Doncaster. Um, anyone else that's maybe caught your eye, Aid? I think you've covered all the bases there. I mean, it's going to be the usual suspect, isn't it? Uh, who's going to be challenging? And can any of the so-called expansion clubs challenge? Well, it's I mean, for them, Coventry Bears have put a decent squad together, haven't they? Um, maybe they can knock a few wins up and challenge the big, the big five. They certainly have. I mean, you know, Coventry Bears have put, like you say, they've put a big squad together as well. So, um, you know, there's plenty there for numbers-wise. Uh, recently, they lost 52-4 up at Keithley, though, so that suggests that they've still got some way to go. Keithley could also yeah. turn into a, a real dark horse for this competition as well, by the way. Um, obviously, we've uh, we, we've mentioned in the past about them bringing in the likes of QLT um, and other guys as well, you know, and they, they've got some, some real good experience there now um london scholars have always been that team that you've kind of like favored to maybe make that jump and become a challenger they recently defeated west wales raiders 38 32 so maybe that suggests better for west wales raiders as well i mean you saw them in the challenge cup game didn't you against witness and you know for for 20 25 minutes they were very very competitive weren't they in that but it suggests that again they've still got a little bit of a way to go but maybe rangi chase is working his magic down there He's obviously going to improve the standards down there, aren't they? The guys who are coming through for West Wales are going to be looking at, at, at the likes of Gavin Henson and Randy Chase, see how they prepare for games and see how they go about their action. Hopefully that will improve them as the season progresses. But London Scholars, they're everybody's favourite third team, aren't they? Everyone's willing the Scholars to do well down there. Yeah, and I think it's because... Unlike other attempts where by expansion teams have come in, they've tried to buy success straight away. London scholars have gone about it for me the right way, the more organic way where they've built, they've got, you know, really good community links down there. They're in so many schools. They run their own uh, competitions through the club itself. Uh, and I just really like the fact that it's so community based down there. And it's, it's very, uh, what's the word organic. I think that, you know, they're, they're trying to build something. And, and basically if someone is seen by maybe London Broncos that the, at that point, not for them, um, then, Usually it's the scholars who take a punt, isn't it? And and offer that second chance in London. So that's even for players that have ended up coming through the Broncos system as well. So for me, I think that they're, they're a key part to the success of the capital moving forward. And I, I really hope that they can go up. You're quite right. I've got a soft spot for them. I, I really like the stuff that they've been doing down there for a good number of years now. 
Organic Rugby League sounds like an eco-friendly style <laughs> of a clock should be playing. Yeah, sponsored by Greenpeace, you know, other <laughs> other <laughs> other green organisations are available. But yeah, it does sound like that, doesn't it? Or, or sounds like something that you get from down at the garden centre. Yeah, without a doubt. So it'd be interesting to see how things pan out in League One. When's the season start? So the season's starting the 9th of May. Um, so right. I, again, we're, we're not too far off it now. So everybody's kind of looking forward to it. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to League One and it getting going and, and, and sort of seeing seeing those guys get back in because they've, they've had to wait a bit longer, haven't they, than the guys in the Championship and the guys at Super League level for getting back to the sport. Mentioning all the clubs, one club we haven't mentioned is Rochdale, and I'm intrigued to see how they go with the great Fury Fury Moy Moy in the team. Well, yeah, Big Fury's now 40 years of age, so you do wonder, um, you know, how much petrol he's still got in the tank, but he's still a very useful player. I saw some highlights of the game that they played against North Wales Crusaders last weekend, um, and it was still like watching the old Fury Fury. He came on. He hustled and bustled, made a good couple of half breaks and bashed a few people around like you'd expect and looked like he was having fun. Um, and I think that that is what certainly the coaching staff there at Rochdale will be doing. They put uh, an emphasis on having fun uh, and, and trying to set up a challenge like you said there. Yeah, so um, the other big thing about Rochdale Hornets is that they celebrate their 150th year as a club, which I think is a, a tremendous history that they've got when you look back. And the fact that England are going to be playing an international in Rochdale against none other than Fiji. So Rochdale is also... Yeah, the second largest population for Fiji uh, Fiji people in this country. So it's a fantastic yeah. achievement, that. Me and you were very lucky to have been at that ground in 2013. What an atmosphere that was. That, oh, yeah. Uh, the Island game. It was fantastic. Yeah, if we get anything like that, then we are in for an absolute treat, mate. Uh, uh, yeah, you're, you're quite right. I mean, there was, what, 9,000 people there, wasn't there, when we were there? Uh, and the place was bouncing. It felt like there was about 25,000 people in there. And what I love about going to, to that venue at Spotland is you're right on top of the action as well, aren't you? You're very close to everything. Yeah. You can hear everything that's going on. And it was a real cauldron that night, if I remember. And yeah, I'd be looking for something very similar when England go there. Hopefully, restrictions will allow us by that stage, won't they? The only thing with Rochdale is you, you run, they run the risk of getting hit on the head by the ball. <laughs> well that's true yeah with being so close to it but um it's a price willing to pay that though isn't it mate <laughs> it's part of the experience of going for the game of the <laughs> of on the head by the ball lovely anyway ahead of that game after start practicing now we're at Fiji and singing again joining in with the um, the sing song at the start of the match yeah I'll start looking them up again you know obviously I I had the fortune of going to Fiji a couple of years ago with Bala um, and it's a fantastic place and as you say everybody's very humble and they've got the community singing and whatever so yeah um let, let's get studying it and let's join in you mentioned the Cumbrian charge they'll be looking to lead the way in league one and then um, it's going to be an interesting shootout between the Cumbrians up there in league one isn't it and one guy who's still involved in the game with Workington is Chris Foreman. It's great to see him still involved in enjoying the league party. Yeah, very much so. And in fact, let's hear from him right now just how much he is enjoying um, and the plans that he has for Workington because he's an ambitious man. Uh, I know it's been a while since we last uh, we last had a chat, but um, uh, you've just signed a new contract at Workington. How did that come about and uh, how are you looking forward to preparing for the future? I suppose it came about. I signed it. initially. I signed a, a three-year deal, um, 
I mean, obviously, we all, we all know what happened in 2020. Um, but the Championship and League One rugby was pretty much null and void after we played a handful of games at the beginning of the year. So, uh, initially, when I played the three-year deal, you know, we kind of formulated a plan, um, you know, a strategy over those three years um, you know, to, to enable us to be successful and, you know, a whole host of variables um, kind of pack it in. And when... I wasn't able to, to kind of do anything in 2020 and even 2021 now, hmm. um, it still feels like a condensed season. You know, I, I know in League One, you know, Newcastle got nobody else has been added. Um, and, it, you know, and because it's such a late start, you know, it does feel like a, a condensed season, you know. Um, and with that aside, you know, I understand and I, I absolutely get why the RFL have done it and I absolutely get why they've, They've kind of staggered the start of Super League Championship and, and League One, um, but you know, I, um, you know, when I when I when I came here, Dave, I, I had the idea that I'd be here for maybe six to twelve months, and and kind of go back to Super League and kind of take off being an assistant coach, which is what I did at Huddersfield for you know six years off and on as an mm. academy, as an interim head coach and, and stuff like that. But you know, the longer I the longer I was here, I kind of slowly fell in love with the support. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've been an assistant for a decent period of time. And, you know, I've, I've done most jobs at rugby league clubs and being an assistant coach at Super League level, although it may not come with the absolute stress of being a head coach, the workload is you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of video to watch, analysis, review, preview, individual. You know, and a lot of the stuff is time consuming. Um, I, I, I don't get me wrong, Dave. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I, I love working at Huddersfield, and people forget that before that I was player head coach at York Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came to Workington, I saw the kind of unfulfilled potential, and I hate using the word potential because. That's exactly what it is. It's you know not been done yet. Although I know there's a rich history um, at Workington. You know, the bygone bygone eras. There's you know multiple Great Britain internationals. You know they've won multiple championships. That was a very very long time ago. You know and you, you know I, I'm, even though I'm a Geordie Dave, I'm a bit of a rugby league nerd. Even I remember when working and were in the Super League, you know, in the mid '90s, and that's probably kind of where they, they fell off the rails a little bit after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the club probably wasn't run like it should have been run. Um, I honestly say that this club and West Cumbria and Cumbria in general should have a Super League club. Whether that's Barrow White in or Workington. Um, or geographically, what suits best, you know, in terms of catchment area, fan base, there's a whole number of things to consider. But I honestly believe, with what I've experienced in my time at working in that, that we can be really successful. You know, there's a new stadium on the horizon, um, and the board have allowed me to build a squad with a bit of thought put into it, rather than spending money that they didn't have on travelling players that didn't really want to come. They wanted to, you know, make a quick book. Yeah. I'm trying to do it the right way. And I'm trying to have it predominantly Cumbrian. West Cumbrian ideally, but predominantly Cumbrian. 
Um, and that's kind of how the squad looks now. And if you are going to be a travelling player and, and venture up the M6 or, or, or up the M1 or whatever, um, then you need to be the right fit and you need to be, you know, the, the full package, so to speak. You know, yeah. that needs to be, they need to be a good enough rugby league player. They need to be a good enough human being, um, you know, and they need to have good work ethic and they need to, you know, you know, they just the general principles of, of what makes for a successful rugby league player. Um, and that, that's what I'll do. I'm willing to allow for those people, but they have to be the right people. But the spine and core of the squad need to be Cumbrian. So, um, you know, I'm really glad that I'm here for the next four years. Um, and I can really plan uh, and we can hopefully implement some of the plans that we have in place, you know, alongside a number of other things that we've got going on in the community, which are really important too. Well, you, you mentioned there, and just to, to sort of go back on one or two of those points, I mean, uh, I know you said about hating that word potential, uh, but yeah. you were right in pointing out with working to one of the original Super League clubs, weren't they? And uh, uh, so it just shows that in the area, there is something there to be built on, isn't there? And, and the whole of Cumbria, as and certainly West Cumbria, has got some great clubs and some great amateurs, you know, that it's produced over a number of years. And, and all those guys can have that potential to step up, can't they? Um, you know, look at the three professional clubs, uh, look at the rich history that they all have. Look at attendances that Bill Park got in the most recent World Cup in England. Sell, sell out. And, and those, those people, those people didn't come from far away. Majority of those people, you know, I think, I think 14,000 total attended two games. Mm. They, they were local people. You know, so that, that, that to me is proof that the foundation and it's a big and, it, and it's the main factor you need a winning team Dave like, like, I won't beat around the bush we need to be successful on the field and that was kind of my first thing that I took on board when I arrived you know, you know adjusting a lot of stuff you know coaching like the best you know what I'm best at is, is coaching you know, mm. I, I, it's all I've done it's all I've known you know, I'm pretty well um, schooled you know I've got a lot of a lot of good former coaches. I've worked under some really good head coaches. I've worked under some head coaches that I've felt weren't weren't necessarily great. But the good thing is, is that you you learn a lesson from everyone, whether whether it's right or wrong. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we, we have to be successful. And you know, the World Cup stuff, the history of the club, um, it's there. It really is. Um, it just needs to be tapped into a little bit more and we need to make this club the most attractive proposition to young kids from, from a Cumbrian perspective because you know, never mind they don't, that we don't want them to go to Whitehaven or Barrow you know, but actually we don't want them to go to Wigan because if you look in Super League and you look at how many Cumbrian players there are um, you know, there's, a, there's enough to make it a pretty good Super League side so that's got to be the, the plan, but we are we are a bit off that. But I'm all about accumulating good days. When you accumulate enough good days, you, you tend to have a good day on a Sunday at two or three o'clock, and that tends to lead to a win. And when you accumulate enough good weeks, then the season takes care of, it, of itself, and you're there or thereabouts at the business end of the season, winning big games. And this club just needs to be consistent in that in that regard. Um, and, and everything else should take care of itself, really. The other thing that I've, I've picked up on from um, you know the conversation is 
you seem like you're right at home there now, you know, and, and you, don't get me wrong, you've, you've, you've made your home at all your different clubs that you've been at, haven't you? I think you've been well appreciated everywhere where you've been. Uh, but there just seems like there's some there's some synergy going there. You're probably right, Dave. You know, uh, you know, ask, ask all the fans at Huddersfield, you know, and, and, and I have I had a fantastic relationship with all the people at Huddersfield. And, you know, I, I came back from Parramatta Reels after leaving Huddersfield. I was there for three years and I came back for five years and I came back as a coach for another six years. Mm. You know, I, I always regarded Huddersfield as my second home. But you're absolutely right. Um, it, you know, it, and it might be a... I know we think Huddersfield in the north, but it's really not. <laughs> where, where I'm, where I'm from, Dave is is the north, and where I'm, where I'm giving this interview from is the absolute north. You know, so in terms of where I am with my family, with my um, life, family, work balance, this club is absolutely the right fit for me right now, and and I think the the people at this club realise and acknowledge, acknowledge that and. That's probably why I got the four-year deal because it just it just feels right, and you that's a that's a good word that you just use. There's just a synergy, you know, and I'm and, and I, it's a full-time it's a full-time contract. Yeah. Um, and that's because the ultimate goal of this this club and this team has to be that we're a full-time Super League club, and you know I don't say that lightly. A lot of hard work to be done before we get to that, but you know I'm. I'm not here. I'm not here to come second. Yeah. I'm not here to languish in League One. We're here to be a consistent championship side and then ultimately reach for reach for higher than that. I was going to ask you about about that actually because fans will listen to this and they'll maybe think, well, why does a part-time team need a full-time coach? Pretty simple, mate. You know, I've got a lot of experience in I suppose all facets of rugby, you know, I, I had a successful playing career, you know. I, I've had a I've had a really good grounding as a as a as a Super League assistant coach and a Championship head coach at York, um, and but I also get all the other facets that are going to be in a um, you know being being a, a full time environment, creating a culture, um, you know, and, and that when you when you try and create a culture at a club, it's not just about the players. It's about everybody that's associated and affiliated with the club. That's from that's from volunteers, and I can't speak highly enough of the volunteers that are associated with this club because without the volunteers, and 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 I, I guarantee that this will resonate with other League One and Championship clubs. We wouldn't be, we would not we would not survive without the help of volunteers. I see it on a daily basis, um, and that's only because they care so much for it, and they and they want us to be successful too. So when you're trying to create a culture. And that needs to kind of run all the way through the the, the, the club, mm. um, and just having a common goal, you know. And I, it's funny, I had a conversation with a couple of my players this morning. You know, we were in the gym. They they, they see kind of what I'm putting into the club, and they they saw the, the failings of previous kind of regimes because coaches would just travel up on the day of training right, okay, and, then, yeah. and then disappear in their car for a couple of days and then come back. Whereas when I'm here, I'm here. Yeah. I'm fully committed to being here. Um, and the club reward me too. And I'm really appreciative of, you know, what the club do for me to allow me to do that. But without that, it, it wouldn't be the same, Dave. And, it, and, I, and I just wouldn't waste my time. If, yeah. if they wanted me to kind of, 
if they didn't have a problem with me going home every second day, like, wh- wh- where's the where's the buy-in? You know, where's the you know? I I just think that to be successful, you've got to you've got to put in, and you, and you you'll get out what what you put in, and and that's that's how I operate. You know, and that's what I'm trying to do with this club. Yeah. And I think the players realise it straight away. You know, when they see what I'm willing to do um, for them and and for the club, then. And they'll they'll do the same, you know, and and the same is with the volunteers, the sponsors. You know, I have personal relation, personal kind of uh, positive relations with a lot of our sponsors because they see, you know, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to bring. And I'm not alone. There's a, the board have been fantastic. You know, our chairman Les Smallwood, Graham Pierce, you know, um, Tom McKeating. That they're all they're all excellent and they're all very supportive and they kind of see the vision and. You know, they're all experts in their their own professions. You mm. know, and and they they're very smart. You know, men themselves. So you know, I, I just feel really comfortable. I've got a really good support network around me. Um, yeah, it just feels right, and it's it's a really positive place to be at the minute. Of course, the other flip side of that, you know, in asking you the question of why why a full-time coach is that a lot of people don't see the amount of work that you guys actually put in behind the scenes because, uh, you know, I've I've certainly spoken to coaches in the past and 70-hour weeks are, are a norm sometimes, aren't they? When I was at Huddersfield, you do, you do more than that, honestly, Dave. It's, you live and breathe it. And I used to sleep in the office, Dave, you know, and... and I, I only did that because I felt it was necessary. I had to do it um, to the detriment of personal relationships as, as well at times. Um, but you know that that is absolutely the norm. And you, and I, when it when it comes to that, I'm not I'm not special because I know I know plenty of hardworking people mm. in this sport. You know, you, uh, listen, I know Sean Wayne, and I know Sean's taking his first England session, and Sean watches every game three times. Of a weekend, you know, and, and we're all the same. We're all the same breed. If you love the sport like we do, it isn't work. Yeah. You don't mind. You don't mind doing it. It's 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 an absolute passion and a love. And I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky that to, to, to love what I do because I know there aren't many people that are fortunate enough to, to have a job that they love and, and it isn't even work. You know, when it becomes uh, your review games, you. You're analysing training sessions. You know, we're lucky we've got a drone and we have awesome drone footage. And you know, I just, just I could go on and on, Dave, about kind of what I do on a daily basis. But when you, the difference between you know being at a Super League club and full time and being at a League One and being full time is, I've just spent three hours with a load of volunteers and putting a load of stuff in the skip <laughs> to clean the to clean the back of. Um, part of the ground, you know, and, and I've never had to do that at previous clubs. That, but that's you know needs must. And if you're not, if you're only the boss and you're not willing to work hard and, and do that, then there's no point. I'd be an absolute hypocrite. So you know, it's very different being at a league club, League One club. But there is always something to be on with, and there's always something to occupy you with. I like that as well because it's a, you're also showing another side to it, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to go. And like I say, I'd be a bit of a hypocrite if I, I just wanted to do all the good stuff. You know, I could, if I just wanted to wait in my office till till the lads rock up and, you know, and get on field. And that's that's easy. You know, the the other the other stuff is kind of what I'm what I'm saying. 
get by and talk to people. You know, the, the people that come down on a daily basis, whether it's the groundsman, you know, the three or four of them, that, you know, it's spectacular. When they say you're willing to get your hands to it, they'll do the same for you. And it just, it's just the right thing to do. It really is, you know, and um, I just think it'll benefit, benefit us in the long run. I really do. I'm liking the look of your squad for this season. You've brought quite a, a few, I was going to say new old faces because there was the whole fallout from Ottawa and you've been able to, to bring some of those guys back, haven't you? But before that, you, you'd got a pretty good squad that was building anyway, weren't you? I was looking at your, your, your list for yeah. last year. Yeah, look, look yeah. But, I mean, the Ottawa, the Ottawa two, two of the three were, were our players last year anyway. Um, and, and I don't really classify them as Ottawa players because they didn't get, they certainly didn't get to Canada. They certainly didn't play any games for Ottawa, and and they probably did a handful of training sessions in Greater Manchester or wherever they were going to be based. You know, so um, Deccan Calvin, it was really easy decision for them to come back because I know that if it hadn't have been for Ottawa offering a full time environment, then they, they wouldn't have left here anyway. Mm-hmm. And we we happen to have them on full time deals where they will work in the community department. We're just obviously with COVID. Um, still hanging around. Um, that that's you know we're being patient on on what we can and cannot do. But Calvin and Decker are up here. They've moved up into Maryport, and that's kind of that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to build. You know, you've got to want to be here and be a part of the community. Um, and if you're that, then you know you've look after themselves because you've embraced what what we're asking you to do as a club. Um, Jake was the other one from Ottawa. Jake. Um, was a Wigan Academy lad. Um, he's, a, he's a he's you know he's from West Cumbria anyway, and he's played for Whitehaven. But again, very talented. Um, offers really good utility value, back row, centre, you know, even a bit of standoff. But um, yeah, I like all three of them. Um, off the back of that, we signed Brad Holroy. We lost Elliot Hall, who signed for Batley, and Elliot again was kind of reluctant to leave, but Elliot's kind of uh, studies took him to Leeds. Right. Um, and Elliot signed for Batley, um, so we've replaced him with Brad Holroyd, who was, um, and again another just young, athletic outside back. Um, yeah, so look, I'm 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 pretty happy with the squad. Uh, you ask any coach, uh, is the squad complete? Then I'd I'd never say I'd never say it was complete because I, we're always in the market for adding quality players, and you know for me they've got to be the right person before they're the right player and off the back of that if they're the right player then we've probably got a match so um, interesting you know, we play Barrow this Sunday so I get more of an idea of what my squad's like mm. um, and what maybe you know what maybe I need to uh, kind of dabble in the market for um, we also have a, a number of trialists that'll be that'll be able to stake a claim for a full-time contract and, and I've got to say that the trialists that we've had we had 16 initially, and you know, as 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 it happened, you know, a couple fall by the wayside. A couple were a little bit young and maybe not ready for the step up. But all in all, the trialists have been excellent too, and there'll be there'll be maybe four, five, six getting an opportunity this Sunday as well. So right. um, that's another that's another element as well. Uh, just thinking on those trialists, have a lot of those come from um, the, the sort of clubs that have had to release players because of the whole academy and reserve situation? Um, the trialists are actually mostly from the community game. Oh, brilliant. Um, Even better so then we'll, in that we'll, case. 
Yeah, I mean, we're, look, we're looking at, you know, local clubs, uh, Seton, who who we actually, you know, before COVID, COVID arrived, um, you know, we, we do a lot of other polls and, and there's a couple of them that stood out when we did a pose. So, but in, in, in all fairness, Dave, and with all due respect, never really been poached. Um, and with a little bit of coaching um, and just kind of point them in the right direction, it's amazing how how quickly these players who do have some natural talent kind of improve on a daily basis. So, you know, that's that's just one example. You know, Seton's a local community club in the working area. And we've got maybe three from there. Um, and, and, you know, we've brought in a guy called Gary Hewer, who's kind of head of community development. Um, and he's been able to, because of his relationships with Carla, the Cumbrian Amateur Rugby League Association, you know, and, it, and it's about keeping them on site too, because what I don't want to do is is just kind of drain the community clubs um, and not give back. Hmm. So the idea is if they don't get signed, they're on a dual registration agreement with us. They get to go back and play for their clubs and maybe train, train later in the week, stay with us early in the week. You know, we make them better. That enhances and, and improves the community club. And off the back of that, you know, they're more successful. So, you know, there's a there's a cycle of things there. Um, but I also have I'm building relationships with with all the community teams too in the area. Um, you know, and have been to most, had conversations with most most coaches and chair chair people. Um, you know, offer my services if any of them want to do sessions and or be guests down here on training night. So we've done quite a lot mm. and it's important that we do continue continue to do that as well. It sounds like quite a novel approach that, you know, compared with some other clubs who almost sit at the top of the tree and just wait for the, the fruit to fall, so to speak. Yeah, it's about being sustainable, really. It's it's doing it the right way. It's, um, you know, being empathetic, sympathetic with, the the local community clubs and and appreciating it from their their perspective, um, but don't get me wrong, Dave. My priority is to make this club mm. as strong as possible. Um, and there's times when I will clash with people, and I have no problem doing that if it's the right thing for this club. So, you know, it is a little bit different, um, and and a lot of people have said that, but I think it can work. I do, and and from the players that I've seen so far. And I'll probably get a little bit more clarification on Sunday against Barrow. Then, you know, there's, there's plenty of talent up here. I, I was delighted to hear about Gary as well because I toured with Gary back in 2018. We went to uh, Fiji. I was on that Barla tour with him. So great to see him involved. Yeah, and no, look, he's he's certainly a character, um, and he's it's a bit like Marmite as Gaz. You know, yeah, they love him or hate him, but I've <laughs> I found that. He's excellent at sticking to an agenda or a plan, implementing what we have in place. And the, the the main thing for Gary is because he's got such close relations with so many of the surrounding clubs, mm. um, officials at clubs, officials at Carla, you know, and he makes all the phone calls that I don't have to, basically, you know, and it makes my life so much easier um, having him here. And that's, that's basically why I brought him on board. So, you know, he's, he's here and he's doing a job and, you know, long may it continue and hopefully we see the benefits of it in the next sort of six to 12 months, I suppose. It sounds like he's your contact book for up there, really. Uh, don't get me wrong, I use him like that, but there's about there's about 10 other support staff, Dave, that I have that yeah. that, yeah. that that are all capable of doing that and 
you know, when you when you come to a club, I, I don't like I don't like ripping the staff players to shreds. I don't like kind of just you know, although you have to get rid of people, you know, for, for the greater good. Um, you have to figure out what what you've got in the first. And uh, all in all, you know, the, the support staff were great because, you know, I didn't watch a great deal of League One or Championship, to be honest, Dave. Mm. You know, when you're in that Super League bubble, you kind of focus on what you're playing against week in, week out. You know, focus on academies and stuff like that. But, you know, there'll be a case you know, players that will pop up on the radar. But, you know, now that I'm here and I don't profess to know everything about, about this level, it's important that you surround yourself with people that understand the local game. What a thorough interview that was with Chris Thorman. Really enjoyed his company, actually. He's one of those guys that you can tell he's, he's studied in the game and that he's always looking at ways to, to improve. And and for me, that there's the, the things that he's got going on at, at Workington is, is just... He's brought it all together. There's a synergy there, really, between you know his home life and all that type of business, and uh, you know his own ambitions because the club has ambitions of moving forward again and hopefully challenging for promotion and getting towards being a, a top end championship club again. Uh, and yeah, I wish Workington every success. I mentioned the championship is going to be a tough division, Park. I think League One's going to be up there with it, isn't it? You can't pick a winner out of them five, or even the whole whole division. But obviously, obviously, it's going to be led by the big five or six. Yeah, yeah, and I do feel that you know that every team has their own danger men, don't they? And they've got their own their own ways of playing. And this is something in the championship as well. Um, and this is why I love covering both of those competitions. You look in Super League, and everybody plays the same. Uh, they've all got the same patterns of play. They all, you know have the emphasis on the wrestle in the tackle there's less emphasis on that because you don't get the time to maybe work on um, you know the technical aspects as much as you would do if you was fully professional in the other two divisions but I think as a result of that you get teams that have their own identities in the way that they play uh, and for me I, I personally enjoy that that rugby far better than some of the robotic stuff that we get served from Super League yeah. I don't know about you and as a Python fan of rugby league I, I find the pies are a lot better in league one anyway <laughs> You and your pies, Aid. You and your pies. Yeah. So that's us done and dusted, Aid. We got there in the end. And I got to live uh, a boyhood dream by asking super, uh, who wants to be a record breaker questions. You know what? I think we might go out with that song as well, to be fair, because I've not heard record breakers theme tune in absolutely years and you'll hear it twice. If you're the tallest, the smallest, if you beat them all If you're the fattest, the thinnest, if you always win If you're the fastest, the slowest, if you really go there